Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Primetime on Money FM 89.3 with me, Rachel Kelly, Timothy Go, and finance presenter JP Ong. Now, today marks the start of the expanded vaccinated travel lane scheme with the first flight under the Widen program touching down in Singapore tomorrow morning. Well, it has been welcomed by the industry, of course, as a step forward in reviving the aviation and tourism sectors. Joining us on the line now to tell us all about it and the mechanics behind VTLs. We're joined by Brendan Sobey, independent analyst and consultant at Sobey Aviation. Brendan, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Thank you. Good to have you with us. So let's start off. Um, let's talk about this news just out. I just want to get your thoughts on it. We saw that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has added Singapore to its list of very high-risk travel destinations. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think this is just a formality. The CDC um, bases these things purely based on case numbers uh, per population. So it's kind of an automatic thing. Uh, I'm not too concerned about um, any impact on the demand with the VTL for the U.S. as that VTL will mainly be attracting um, expatriates like like myself who happen to be American and mm-hmm. uh, also, uh, uh, you know, U.S. companies that have presence here in Singapore who are, are looking to um, return for business purposes. Um, so um, uh, attracting like the pure leisure traveler for any of the VTLs is very difficult at this point, including from the U.S. So, um I don't think there'll be much of an impact from that. So you don't think the VTL is designed for leisure travelers at this point? Why is that? Well, I mean, it's, it's available to leisure travelers. And I should say, um, it, you know, in terms of inbound leisure travelers, there's not mm-hmm. going to be much demand. So there's outbound and, and inbound. Outbound would be Singapore residents right. um, who, or, who are traveling to other countries. You know, obviously, you know, having no option for holidays overseas for 20 months that there there's going to be demand there there's pent up demand for that but for inbound which is people sitting uh you know in europe or the u.s um the, the they have a lot of uh, options for traveling because their parts of the world are open singapore uh you know the rest of asia is not open and they typically travelers from those parts of the world they use singapore as a jumping off point uh you know one of many countries uh on multi-country itinerary so uh, you know, then you combine it with all the testing requirements and and the, all the onerous uh, and cumbersome requirements that that is involved with international travel. There's not going to be many people taking multi-country itineraries in this kind of environment. So that's why it's very difficult for Singapore to attract uh, those kind of visitors. Brendan, we've got nine countries on the VTL with South Korea to start in November. And during the last multi-ministry task force, Transport Minister S. Iswaran did touch on why these countries had been chosen. But from your perspective, what are your thoughts on the VTLs that we have at the moment and what could we potentially see happen next? Yeah, so I mean, the, the country selected, you know, is, 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 is a lot of it depends on what countries are open. So mm-hmm. most of Asia Pacific is not open. The VTL is, is, is primarily a kind of a, a unilateral rather than bilateral scheme, which means that Singapore is selecting countries that are already open. Um, so, so by selecting these countries, you have two-way quarantine-free travel. Now, Korea is the exception. Um, Korea is a bilateral scheme because Korea is, is not open to visitors yet, but it's opening in November to visitors, uh, Singapore being one of the first countries they're opening to. So it's a, it's a bilateral scheme. So a lot of the selection of, of these uh, nine countries or, or 11 in total 
is really based on, on what's happening in these countries. Uh, and also, of course, business and, and economically, you know, these are main trade, major trading partners uh, for Singapore. So they want to reestablish those business ties. But from a leisure travel perspective, even outbound, there's no point in necessarily picking a, a country where a Singapore resident can't travel to. Because, you know, if they can't mm-hmm. travel back, if they can't travel to there, they can't travel back on the VTL. So a lot of that is the driving forces behind this and why we see mainly long-haul destinations, Europe and North America, uh, dominating the VTL at this time. Mm, and the safety and vaccination rates in those countries as well. Yeah, obviously that's that's a factor. Um, so as the vaccination rates improve in Asia-Pacific, uh, you know, and as those countries uh, open up, and that's, of course, related, they're, they're going to be opening up to travel as they reach vac- higher vaccination rates, like, you know, like Australia, um, you know, Malaysia are would be two uh, good examples of, of relatively high vaccination rates now or approaching those those kind of vaccination numbers where they can be considered. But a lot of the rest of Asia is not there yet. It'll be a few more months while Europe and North America have had been at those levels already for some time. So what do you think will happen moving forward then, uh, Brendan? Are we going to look into a policy of anyone who comes in presents a negative PCR test, which a lot of countries are still doing, or a vaccination certificate would be able to come in regardless of where they're coming from outside yeah, of I this think, VTL? Yeah. Do you think this VTL will continue on or will, will Singapore just no, well, open the, up? Yeah. The VTL scheme is definitely temporary. The question is, is how temporary is temporary? So, so a lot of countries already ha- are, have a single, you know, have a simpler system where, you know, they're open to 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 anyone. Uh, some are only open to re- to residents returning, like without quarantine, as long as long as they're vaccinated. Some are opening open to visitors as well. So, you know, and as more countries um, kind of go to that, I think the pressure will build on Singapore to also go to that, particularly more countries in this region. So we're seeing Australia, you know, transition to that. Uh, South Korea has a system like that. Um, Malaysia uh, has a a system like that, although they still have seven day quarantine now. Uh, But I think, you know, because Europe and and North America have already had that for some time. So there's been a lot of countries that have had that kind of policy, but that kind of doesn't count for Singapore. They but I think the, you know, in that, in that they kind of look at, look at what's happening in the region more. But, you know, as more and more countries around Asia Pacific move to that, I think the pressure will build to move to that as well. And that mm. um, we could potentially see this scheme, uh, the VTL scheme, ending as early as early next year. But um, it, it really remains to be seen how long te- this temporary uh, VTL scheme is. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. We're speaking to Brendan Sobey, an independent analyst and consultant at Sobey Aviation, about the VTL moving forward and what the travel and aviation industry will look like. Now, on a personal basis, Brandon, I am going to a multi-country trip next month. And what I'm finding very, very hard to, uh, very challenging to coordinate are the number of days or hours I need before getting a PCR test, before my next generation, and transiting in a second city to go somewhere else. The PCR test requirements will become very much um, unreasonable for people who might want to do multi-country or multi-city travel moving forward, right? Yeah, I mean, the the testing is is quite cumbersome. I mean, uh, the number of tests is expensive, but also just being able to take the test in the in the required time frame. In some countries, you know, it's hard to get that the test done, or you have to pay an additional fee in order to get the results in time. If you're transiting, that makes it more complicated. Um, if you're doing multiple countries, you might have to do multiple tests because every t- country you enter exactly. might have its own own requirements. So I think, I mean, a, a lot of you know, the travel in this environment is not for everyone. 
So it, it's really for you know people who who are you know willing to uh, put up with that, and then also you have to factor in you know all of this when deciding on your itinerary. So you you probably will see people taking longer trips to a smaller number of countries generally, and this is not just Singapore. This is kind of everywhere. So that's that that. But over time. Um, Hopefully things will be simplified and, and become a little bit easier, but I think it, that process will, will be very slow. Brandon, speaking about flights perhaps not being for everyone, talk to us about airfares. How much have they changed now in comparison to pre-pandemic? And if they've gone up, how significant is, is it? And do you think this might even widen the gap between those who can afford to fly and those who can't? I don't think airfares is necessarily the concern. I, I think it's mm-hmm. the total cost of travel and the hassle factor. We're just talking about multiple tests. So yeah. if you need to take five tests um, to do a return travel and you have a family of four or five, that quickly adds up. And it's, it's, it's actually more than the airfare. For airfare, there's, there's continues to be, uh, you know, a, a lot of competition mm-hmm. because there's, the volume of passengers is still down significantly. Um, only on some of these VTL flights where, where you have airfares, high airfares because of a supply and demand issue. Because the Singapore VTL scheme unfortunately limits the capacity in an artificial way. So so everybody's just trying to get on those limited number of VTL flights back to Singapore. And for the holiday season, what happens is the, the, the seats um, you know get booked up and there's very few seats available. And what happens with airlines when they when they manage their revenue is, is that as fewer and fewer seats on a particular flight become available, uh, the lower fare classes sell out and only high fare are available and no mm-hmm. redemption t- tickets are available. So, so that's an unfortunate scheme. But that that I mean, as long as Singapore increases VTL cap uh, and or opens up in a more general way uh, and allows competition through um, intermediary hubs like Dubai and Doha, which are not possible right now because they're unfortunately uh, Category Four countries, right. uh, and that limits the competition. Once all that kind of gets resolved, I think um, the airfare issue will work itself out, and you'll have a lot of eager airlines trying to win back passengers, and then the issue becomes really more the, the, the hassle and the cost of testing, which, again, is more of a factor these days. People haven't traveled in 20 months. They have the discretionary income, uh, for the most part, to travel, but you know whether they really want to um, deal with the hassle and, and the, not only the cost of the airfare, but all the other costs that are involved. All the hassle is, is the hassle. Uh, speaking of um, competing hubs, let's, let's talk about Hong Kong for a brief moment here, because it has recently banned Air Canada from flying because passenger arriving in Hong Kong were found to be COVID positive. Uh, I think this happened to Singapore Airlines uh, recently, as well as British Airways. Why do you think Hong Kong is implementing such a strict zero tolerance policy uh, with regards to airlines? Yeah, so Hong Kong's been very strict um, all year. Um, they really started cracking down on this uh, earlier in the year. And and it's continued. Almost Most airlines flying to Hong Kong have had this issue at some point or another. And that's, I mean, I think it's, Hong Kong is really behind because in terms of opening up and, and, you know, transitioning away from zero COVID, uh, a lot of it, of course, is relationship with mainland China. They they perhaps see uh, an opportunity to open up with mainland China, which is their main market, uh, before any other market opens up um, with mainland China. And that's what they're uh, after at this point. Um, so, but that's to Singapore's advantage because Hong Kong, of course, is a, 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 a you know major uh, a hub that competes with Singapore, and and uh, not only for transit traffic but also for multinational companies. So um, the fact that Hong Kong is very slow in opening makes kind of Singapore look quite attractive at this point. But if you compare Singapore to other hubs like Dubai, it's quite unattractive. Okay, Brendan. So. One last question for you then. In your opinion, when do you think uh, international passenger traffic might reach pre-pandemic levels, if ever? 
Yeah, it, um, it's going to be a few years, and it's it's hard to predict exactly if it's 2023, 2024, and you know, w- you know whether we'll get back to uh, you know 100% of pre-pandemic levels, or if we'll plateau at like 80 or 90% because of impact on business travel or, or other external issues. But I think the focus now is, is, is you know it's very hard to predict you know uh, what's going to happen three four years from now. But it's the focus should be on 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 the initial recovery. So you know, for example, Singapore you know is only at four percent normal traffic levels. Um, how h- high can it get for December holidays? How high can it get next year? Uh, and the, and the you know and and a lot of that is is about you know policies and and how how willing Singapore is to to kind of accelerate to transition because right now with you know the VTL scheme is so such a limited number of flights mm-hmm. there'll still be probably less than ten percent of traffic for December and early early next year still very very small but I'm I'm looking forward to um, you know changes in policies and and making making it faster to get maybe to 50% pandemic levels you know as early as middle of next year rather than try trying to predict you know when we'll hit 100% i think that needs to be the focus and i think um uh, that will be the focus in the coming weeks as as singapore tries to um you know look at to see what it can do to uh, accelerate the recovery of the battered aviation industry which is you know really suffering from 20 months of virtually no traffic step by step then brandon yeah, exactly. Step by step. This is a small initial step. What's happening today with the expansion of VTL and hopefully it will be followed by more steps and no more uh, steps in the reverse direction, which is, uh, you know, during the pandemic, there's been a lot of one step forward, one step or two step back. But hopefully that's that's not going to happen anymore and it'll just be steps forward from here on. Okay, Brandon. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We've been speaking with Brandon Sobey, independent analyst and consultant at Sobey Aviation. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.